Writing your oncology case report is a huge undertaking, and it's easy to make silly mistakes that can derail your entire writing process. That's why you need my brand new masterclass, the three-step framework for a finished case report. In this free masterclass, you'll learn three of the biggest mistakes to avoid when writing your case report, the secrets to actually finishing your case report, no matter the patient case you've chosen, and my proven three-step framework for starting and finishing your very own oncology case report. Save your seat today at theoncopt.com slash framework. Again, that's theoncopt.com slash framework. Welcome to the Onco PT Podcast, where you'll learn from oncology experts, practitioners, and patients to help you on your journey to become a confident and competent Onco PT. Here's your host, Elise Contu. Hey there, and welcome back to the Onco PT Podcast. This is Elise, your host, and I'm so excited to be talking today about rotationplasty. If you're like me, rotationplasty isn't actually something that I've encountered clinically yet. And I say yet very intentionally because I believe I will at some point in my practice. There's no way that I can go my whole career and not ever encounter a person who has this, especially considering that because July is Sarcoma Bone Tumor Awareness Month, we're talking a lot about this, osteosarcoma is rare when it comes to the grand scheme of cancer diagnoses out there but it's actually the third most common diagnosis for our younger patient population, specifically like adolescents and whatnot. So the likelihood that we'll encounter these patients, again, maybe not right after treatment, but potentially even later on in life because they're experiencing this, that, and the other impairment, whether that's as a result of their cancer treatment, including their rotationplasty, or maybe it's something different entirely. We are probably going to encounter these patients and we need to be prepared for them. So in today's episode, we're breaking down the five things that you need to know about a rotationplasty when it comes to working with this kind of patient. So number one, we really have to establish what the heck is a rotationplasty. Again, I really have no personal experience with this whatsoever, but when I started studying for the oncologic specialist certification exam, I really had to know about this. So this is something, this is a topic that we absolutely have to be aware of as physical therapists, physical therapists who treat people who have cancer, but especially when it comes to preparing for this exam. And it really boils down to, again, this is a point that I talked about earlier in this episode, even though this is not the most common treatment you'll encounter when it comes to OncoPT, you very much can see these patients. And this kind of treatment disproportionately causes more impairments, more side effects for the patients involved. And if you're curious exactly why this is, I really encourage you go back to a couple previous episodes. So it's going to be episode 188 and 187 where I talk about what is sarcoma, what is osteosarcoma, what do PTs need to know about it to really understand more about this. For today's episode, we're really focusing in, honing in on rotationplasty. So a rotationplasty is a type of surgery used to treat people who have some kind of bone cancer in their leg. At this time, at least as far as I know, rotationplasty really isn't happening in the upper extremity. It's very much a lower extremity surgery. What happens in a rotationplasty is that the knee joint is removed from the affected leg. So again, this is part of the person has undergone 
some previous cancer treatment, probably chemotherapy for, let's say, an osteosarcoma. And then it's now time for surgery to actually surgically resect the tumor. So what happens is they take out the knee joint and then the remaining leg parts are attached to each other. So this could mean like the distal femur is attached to, let's say, like the distal tibia or maybe even like straight into the ankle joint. But what this does is that the residual limb parts, the leg, whatever's left of the leg, is attached to the ankle and this creates a new knee joint. Most commonly, it's going to be the distal femur um, is going to be removed, the knee joints removed, and then maybe some parts of the tibia are going to be removed as part of the surgery. And this leaves part of the, the femur. Again, hopefully there's a good chunk here. And then it leaves the ankle and the foot. And so where the rotation part of the name rotationplasty comes in is that, again, we take this ankle and the foot, we attach it to the femur, And then it's rotated 180 degrees and reattached to the distal femur. So what this results in is that the foot is oriented backwards to how we are normally used to seeing it. So normally, when I look at my feet that are attached to my legs right now, my toes are pointing forward. And in the person who has undergone a rotationplasty, that foot has turned around 180 degrees. Those toes are now pointing backward. So it's opposite of how our foot is normally oriented in anatomical position. So what this does is it takes a traditional, so like the person is kind of looked at as undergoing a traditional above knee amputation. Because again, we're removing part of that femur, but it creates a functional below knee amputation because we are actively creating a new knee joint. So there is still a quote knee joint that we're working with here. And so once the person has undergone this, we now have a thigh that is connected directly to the foot and ankle, creating the new knee joint. This person will then be fitted for a prosthesis, and then that foot ankle will then fit into the prosthesis, very similar to what we typically see for patients who undergo a below knee amputation for other reasons. Number two, why a rotationplasty versus other surgical approaches? In general, a rotationplasty is going to preserve more long-term function for patients compared to those who undergo an amputation or other limb salvage surgeries. For a long, long time, amputation was the standard of care for patients undergoing surgery for bone cancer. For a long, long time, this is how it was. However, thankfully, over the past decades, cancer treatment has really evolved and progressed, and with it, Chemotherapy has improved, and surgical approaches have become more refined. So chemotherapy is getting better at actually treating the diagnosis. We're more refined in our surgical approaches. So this means that a lot of patients don't necessarily have to undergo an amputation, or their their direct treatment plan is not straight to amputation. Now, some of our patients could still undergo an amputation as part of their cancer treatment. That's very possible. We could totally see that. But we're seeing more of a shift towards limb salvage surgery and rotationplasty that's really replacing amputation as kind of, again, this like standard of care. Now, a limb salvage surgery was the newer procedure that came along to replace a lot of the amputations that were being done for these patients. And in a limb salvage surgery, the bone is preserved as much as possible while still removing the tumor and creating as 
large of a clear margin as possible around that tumor. So what this could mean is that the patients, let's, for example, a person has an osteosarcoma in their distal femur. This is one of the common sites where we tend to see osteosarcomas in young people. So if they have a tumor in their distal femur, they will cut out around that tumor as much as possible, but will still leave the rest of the bone intact as as much as they're able to, right? And so this can result in a lot of benefits for patients, again, over traditional amputations. So it looks better, frankly, from a cosmetic perspective. You still have a relatively intact knee. Yes, maybe there's scar tissue, but the leg as a whole is left intact. And this tends to look better, again, for cosmetic purposes than someone who undergoes like an amputation and is left with a like traditional above-knee amputation. It also contributes to improved functional mobility. Patients who have a limb salvage surgery versus an amputation have been shown in the research to have better function overall than patients who have amputation, especially when it comes to some of the more functional activities we do, such as stairs, for example. I mean, I'm going up and down stairs every day, and I live in a one-story house. It's just like, that's just how our kind of how our communities, how our society is built, is very mobile, lots of different terrains to navigate. And so patients, again, with limb salvage surgery tend to do better with some of those more functional movements than patients who undergo amputation. And they also demonstrate improved quality of life compared to patients who undergo a traditional amputation. And again, there's a lot of factors there. And so you can see this general trend of, okay, we started with amputations, limb salvage surgery, has made some improvements, but there's still some buts, and we're going to talk about this here. So even with the advances that we've seen through limb salvage surgery, there's still some problems for our patients. For example, many patients who undergo a limb salvage surgery may not be able to fully load their lower extremity in order to participate in different physical activities. So again, a lot of what we take for granted as especially a young person is being very physically active. Maybe that means participating in sport activities or different athletic events or just even physical activities that are part of our socialization and part of the hobbies that we do on a daily basis. So when a person undergoes a limb salvage surgery and they're not able to participate in these repetitive loading activities, that's actually a lot of stuff. Think about it. Running jumping. These are repetitive loading activities with a lot of force through that limb. And for a person who has undergone a limb salvage surgery, they may not be able to tolerate that level of force. It could even be from a like a bone safety perspective. And, you know, maybe as an adult, I could avoid some of these activities. But that doesn't mean that I necessarily want to. In fact, we should be encouraging our patients to be really active. So discouraging them from activity, especially running, jumping, which we know can be very helpful, very, very helpful for some patients, is not a good idea. Then we have to consider that so many of these patients who are being treated for an osteosarcoma or other related bone tumors are younger patients, children, adolescents, young adults. These activities can be very much a part of their everyday life, or at least they should be. We should be encouraging them to be part of their everyday life. 
And then as our patients get older, maybe they graduate high school, they go on to college, maybe they go straight into the workforce, a patient's ability to participate in very manually demanding jobs, very physically demanding jobs, may be limited also because of those loading limitations for their lower extremity after limb salvage surgery. So as you can probably imagine, there were definite benefits to limb salvage surgery over traditional amputations, but there's still some limitations. And rotationplasty addresses a lot of these concerns, which is part of what makes it so cool. Again, because the rotationplasty creates a new, functionally intact knee, these patients can now increase the loading capability of their lower extremity. So these patients can be much more physically active compared to those who have undergone an amputation or other limb salvage surgeries. Part of that has to do with the physics, but also the overall kind of intact bone and just the, like the anatomy behind it. Listen, I am not a prosthetist. I am not a orthopedic surgeon in these manners, so I'm not going to dive into the specifics. But what you really need to take away from this is that the rotation plasty is really this next wave of surgical treatment for these patients because of so many different factors, including this increased ability to load that limb. So far in this episode, we've already talked about a lot of the benefits when it comes to rotation plasty over previously gold standard treatments when it comes to surgical management of bone tumors. And with as cool as the rotation plasty is, we have to step back and really think about, okay, the leg function is kind of changing a little bit. So our third point for this episode, how does rotation plasty change leg function? Now, as we've talked about previously, we are removing some middle part of the leg, including the knee joint. We attach the foot and ankle to the more proximal leg. So think about like the thigh area compared to normal lower leg. And then we take the foot and ankle and we rotate it 180 degrees. So this tends to change function a little bit. But this change allows for the foot and ankle to be oriented more like a traditional knee joint would be. And as we know, knee joints do flexion and extension. That's pretty much like what they do all day every day. Yes, there's some nuances. No, I'm not going to get into them. And the amazing thing is that this new knee joint made up of the ankle joint can also do flexion extension just like we would expect a normal knee joint to do. But now instead of, you know, traditional knee flexion, knee extension, it's the ankle that's actually doing this job in kind of a backwards way. So picture this. I want you to Take this, you may have to slow it down, you may have to pause and replay a couple times because I want to make sure that this gets in your brains. When the person does ankle dorsiflexion, again, after a rotation plasty, we're talking about our new orientation here. When the person does ankle dorsiflexion, this is actually knee flexion. And when the person does ankle plantar flexion, this now becomes knee extension. It's a little bit of a brain teaser, but once you slow down to think about it, it actually makes a lot of sense. And this is something that I think especially us who are newer to rotation plasties for, you know, treatment, we really have to think about, okay, the joint, well, yes, it makes a new knee joint. We have to consider that it's still an ankle joint doing the knee joint work. And so we have to make some changes, some adjustments in our thinking about this to really understand how this works. 
All this to say, this leads to a lot of really, really good outcomes for our patients. Number four, these patients can be extremely active after a rotation plasty. And I would argue they shouldn't just can be, they should be extremely active after a rotation plasty. Again, due to the increased loading capabilities of the new knee joint after a rotation plasty, compared to our traditional amputations, limb salvage surgeries, these patients can now participate in very physically demanding activities and occupations. In fact, we should encourage our patients to be as active as possible for multiple reasons. We already know that when we look across our general adult oncology patient population, those who have been diagnosed with cancer, undergo cancer treatment, are less likely to meet the standards of recommended physical activity here in the United States. So 150 minutes, moderate intensity activity, etc. So this is already a general trend that we see in the adult oncology patient population. And then when we dive further into the pediatric space, we know from the research that survivors of childhood cancer tend to be less active than their unaffected age-matched peers. So we take the adult side of things of we know that this is a trend, we see this, and then you compound that with survivors of childhood cancer, we're really facing an uphill battle that these patients are not being as physically active as what they should be. And this is for multiple reasons. This is not a they're lazy. There are there's are so many different things that we have to consider for these patients. And we're actually going to get a little more into that in um, tip number five. But for now, it's important to know that this is what we're facing. This is what our patients are facing, and we have to equip and empower them in every capacity to make sure that they stay, that they can get active, and then remain active after their rotation plasty. Lastly, we know that exercise and physical activity are so beneficial for long-term health and wellness. In fact, we know that patients who exercise are less likely to develop cancer later in life, even after that initial diagnosis. So beyond the, these patients are not as active as what they need to be, we know that being active, being physically active, participating in exercise is only going to help them in the long run for their health and wellness. And this isn't even considering all of the different impairments that they can experience as a result of their cancer treatment. So all in all, with a rotation plasty, these patients can participate in very physically demanding activities and even occupations. There's a great case study that I'm going to link to in today's show notes. Um, so it's a rehab protocol actually by Comston et al. that gives an example of a person who undergoes a rotation plasty and then how this person was able to get back to their very physically demanding job, which is really cool. Now, point number five is perhaps the most exciting for us specifically because these patients need physical therapy, period, end of story. Patients can have a variety of significant side effects as a result of their previous cancer treatments even before the rotation plasty ever happens. If you recall from our previous episode, we talked about chemotherapy is a very common neoadjuvant and then adjuvant treatment for patients who are undergoing cancer treatment for an osteosarcoma. So they will undergo cancer treatment, they will undergo chemotherapy pre-surgery, they go through surgery, and then they'll tend to have some more chemotherapy after surgery. And for osteosarcoma, they usually don't have radiation. 
Ewing sarcoma is a little different, that's okay, but again, rotation plasty can kind of transcend some of these uh, diagnoses. We can see them for lots of different conditions here. So back to chemotherapy. Some chemotherapies cause significant side effects. No surprise. As we talked about last episode, or a couple episodes ago, some of the common chemotherapies for osteosarcoma include doxorubicin, cisplatin, among others. Now again, doxorubicin, as we lovingly, unlovingly call it the red devil, or adriamycin, also known as, causes significant cardiotoxicity for our patients. This is a problem, especially because our patients are so much younger than our traditional, quote, cancer patients. They can experience these cardiotoxicities for many, many years beyond what a lot of our adult patients could experience because they have a much longer life to live, potentially, compared to our adult patients. Cisplatin is absolutely known for its neurotoxicities, including contributing to the development of chemotherapy-induced peripheral neuropathy, which can lead to problems with sensation, with motor control, with balance. And so these patients can already be experiencing balance problems and sensation issues before they even undergo the actual tumor resection surgery. So we're already setting ourselves up for some potential issues before we've even gotten to the surgery. Now, after the surgery, after the rotation plasty, the patient could be experiencing some range of motion problems, some muscle strength impairments that affect their ability to be fully mobile. And part of that's as part of the healing process, also considering uh, we now have a completely different joint arrangement in that lower extremity. This causes issues. And so it's not unreasonable, frankly, it should be expected that these patients need physical therapy after a rotation plasty. Hopefully they're already being referred to you, but we also have to consider that this isn't always the case. Unfortunately, we know that patients with cancer are under-referred and underutilized services for cancer rehab. So again, you could very well encounter this patient in your practice no matter where you end up. So again, patients... After a rotation plasty, need physical therapy. And they need physical therapy in different stages and different phases of their cancer treatment. So these patients should be undergoing physical therapy pre-surgery. So as part of a prehabilitation protocol where we're working on addressing any functional mobility impairments that they have, whether it's any existing range of motion or strength impairments, working on balance. And especially, again, I'll link to this protocol by Comston et al. And they talk about really emphasizing hip strength and ankle strength. Now, this kind of makes sense, right? (laughs) The knee, sorry knee, you're getting taken out. We're not as concerned about you in the long run, but we need to make sure that we've got really good hip strength and really good foot and ankle strength because ultimately, like, these are the joints that are going to be left behind, that are going to be the new joints we're really relying on moving forward. And as I like to tell my patients, the stronger we can make you before surgery, the stronger you're going to be after surgery. Even after we experience that expected delay or maybe stop altogether of movement, even if we can build up as much as possible pre-surgery, it's going to make outcomes post-surgery so much easier. These patients will need 
Physical therapy, of course, immediately post-surgical. Again, this kind of depends on what's the surgical protocol, what are the different maybe complications a person could be experiencing, but they will also need rehab for the more long-term. And this can look very different for a variety of patients depending on their goals. Again, considering any complications that they may be undergoing, And just general, what are they trying to accomplish with their time with you so that they can go and do the things that are important to them, that they want to do and need to do back in their community? Again, there is a beautiful protocol that I'm linking in the show notes, but I also want you to look at this video. There is a great video that Dan Steventon, the kids cancer PT, who I've had on the show previously, created. He interviewed a person who underwent a rotation plasty for her osteosarcoma. So in short, this person is now an adult. She underwent a rotation plasty as part of her osteosarcoma treatment, and now she is coming and talking to PT Dan about her experience then, like immediately afterwards, including some of her physical therapy stuff, which was very interesting. But then also what she's doing now as an adult, what she's able to do. And a lot of it is a great reminder of the things that are important to our patients, and really motivation for us to keep incorporating those, keep centering those in our plans of care with our patients. So you definitely want to watch this video, and I've also linked it in today's show notes. In conclusion, rotationplasty is becoming more common in the treatment of osteosarcoma and other bony tumors. Even if you're not treating pediatrics right now, Even if you're not in a facility that does these types of surgeries, even if you think you will never encounter this patient, the likelihood is you probably will. Hopefully you have a long and illustrious career to the point that you see thousands of patients and you see this one because these patients could experience difficulties or impairments immediately after surgery, but also many years down the road and we need to be prepared for them. So now I want to hear from you. What did I miss? What else would you include in this episode about rotationplasty? Message me on Instagram at theoncopt. Again, that's theoncopt on Instagram. And let me know. Until next time, this is Elise with the OncoPT. And remember, you are exactly the physical therapist that your patients with cancer need. So let's get to work. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Onco PT podcast. If you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, leave a rating and review, or support us on Patreon. 